Can we give it up for all the fathers in the room today? Come on, all the guys that can open the pickle jar with a single twist. Come on, we can change a diaper and hold our nose at the same time. It's God's gift to men. We can lift up a couch and find things that we thought were forgotten. We all have that ability. To all the dads in the house today, we want to say thank you. And, and also, just kind of personally for me, I want to also recognize all the stepdads in the room, all the, the men who have adopted, all the spiritual fathers in the house today. I'm telling you, I would not be who I am today if it were not for my daddy, Tim, and for the men of God that he put in my life that, that invested into me and imparted into me and helped raise me. Could you just bless them today for for loving when they didn't have to, for being the example that they didn't even need to be, they decided to. Uh, special treat for you today, I've got, I, I call him our in-house pastor, Blaine Francois. Blaine is kind of on the other end of the spectrum for me, you know, his his son is, is raised, his children are raised, and he's actually praying for marriage, and I'm praying that Jesus would come back before mine or even teenagers. Come on, somebody, I got two little girls, um, but he is a, he's a, what I love about Blaine is he's a, he's not only was he a, a pastor for many years, he was on full-time staff while some of our staff were still trying to figure out whether we even love Jesus, um, but that, that he is a provider, he's a hard worker, he goes out and does, and he equips us, he supports us, um, he's raised a son that, that still loves Jesus, that still loves his mother. And he didn't say, do as I say do, but follow me as I follow Christ. And that's why I love having him. He gives a perspective um, that I don't yet have uh, that we can all glean from today. You know, growing up, I, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be a dad. I, I just, I wanted to be a father. I had a great, great daddy. He was a great dad, uh, kind of a, he was kind of cruddy as a husband, but he's a great dad, um, and he's not here to defend himself. He's in heaven with Jesus, I hope, and so uh, don't, he won't get mad at me, or maybe he does. Who knows? But he was a great father, and he made me want to be a dad. Uh, we played out in the yard a lot. I'm like, I can't wait to have my, my son, you know, and, and my children, and and I would even, it was kind of in the mid-90s when I was having these thoughts, and so that was kind of when, when the internet became available to the common man. You know, previously it was just Al Gore created it, and only the government could use it. So, but in the mid-90s, I, yeah, I said it twice. I said I wasn't going to. It wasn't funny the first time either. So, um, uh, we had access, and I would go on, and, and they were these, these child generators. Anybody ever familiar? You could put, like, your picture in and maybe like the prettiest person that you could think of and like blob them together. And then it would make like this little ugly human with your face and they would call it your child. And it's like, oh Lord, Whew, I hope I don't have that. That's not good. Thankfully, all of my children are, uh, are, are more, look more like their mother than they look like me. But um, I thought that being a dad would be cool because it meant, you know, that I was in charge of the remote. Um, you know, that I got to decide when we had bathroom breaks on the road trip. Come on, somebody. Like, that I was going to choose where we ate on Sunday because I'm paying for the meal. And none of those things were true, but at least that's what I thought um, growing up. I would get to say cool things like, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. It's <laughs> not true either. Um, you know, like, does... Do you think money does grow on trees? Um, if everybody else jumped off of a bridge, come on, you've all said it, even though we swore, we swore we would never say those things, and yet we catch ourselves. My, here's one of my favorites. Hey, uh, do you want a Coke? And the child's like, yeah, me too. It's awesome. Go get us one. You know, it's like, it's good stuff. It's, that was, that's what we do, right? And then my favorite is, hey, just hold it. We're almost there. I heard that. Just hold it. We're almost there. That is a lie from the pit. Don't say that if it's not true. Um, but how many, look, you know, even though, even though uh, we may have never admitted that we were lost as dads, we always, we always found a way back home. Okay, and so today, I want to I invite you, no matter where you are in your journey, man, woman, or child, I want to invite you just in the next few minutes to, to let God show you your way back home. Let God show you your way back home into to what we believe He desires for you and, and for your family and for the people that you love, the people that you care about. Um, I also, I, I have this son, and, and I thought that, 
you know, he would come out and, and he would look just like me and, and act like me. And, and now I have, but, but I didn't have some, I had two girls first. And, uh, that was funny. And, um, and then I had the son and he came out and he was like bald headed with a beak. Um, and now it was, it's true y'all, his ears were bigger than his head. It was crazy. I was like, you better bundle that boy up. You take him outside, stiff wind. That brother's gone. I'm telling you, it's going. But hey, he grew into those and his hair covers him up. And we've got this like, you know, pale little blonde headed, bleach headed boy. And, and, and what I've discovered is, is he's, he's not really a lot like me. He's like me in some ways, but, but he's actually better than I was. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit just kind of gave me that. And this is kind of where we're going to settle today is, is that you don't, you don't reproduce what you were. You reproduce who you are. And, and that's comforting. That's encouraging to me, no, no matter what situation or, or who we're talking about, even what relationship, because I can't do anything about who I was. But in Christ and by the power of His Spirit, I can make adjustments. I can be different. I can adjust and control who I am. And it's who I am that causes them to be whatever it is that they will be. Um, it's interesting as Pastor Chris is talking about, you know, as he was younger, looking forward to being a father. And you mentioned, I'm going to have a son that looks like me. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, I thought that too. Like just a month or so ago, I was in the gym, right, working out. And Clay's there sometimes, the same time as me. And there's people that work in there that see us in there just like just about every day um, working out together. And one of the guys that worked there found out he was my son. He's like, dude. I was clueless. I had no idea. I was like, yes, because we look, you know, so much alike. Not. Uh, aside from all of that, you know, um, I thought it was interesting. You could immediately, immediately see the distinction, right, when you, when you looked up here. Old guy, young guy. Like cheaters, no cheaters. And then the tablet and the paper. Yeah, put them on, look how everybody's blurry out there. Wow. Did they work? Girl, you look double good today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yeah, here we are, right? Um, interesting, you know, it was, it was pastors talking about, you know, all the fun stuff that we get to do as dads. And there is, there's times where it's just a blast. It really is um, good things going on, and you're looking forward to this and that. And I always thought one of, the, one of my duties as a dad was to embarrass Clay. And I will say this, disclaimer, I was very good at it. Uh, so it was my job. I did it well, and, and hallelujah. But I think we, you know, we really want to settle in on, on just you know, what Pastor Chris mentioned at the end of his segment there about you know, what we reproduce as fathers. Um, we are real, literally you know, producing others like us. Um, coming behind me is another blame. That's, I know, it's a scary thought for me too, which is why I had only one and saved society the misery. But... Coming behind me is another one that is quite possibly another me because I am, I am reproducing what I am. Uh, coming behind Pastor Chris is another one or two or three little men just like him. He's, he's not done, man. You know, he's young. He's got, he's got, he's over here doing, you know, I, I don't want to rebuke you and then limit him to, to what he has now. Hallelujah. But coming behind him is another him. And listen, every one of you fathers, I say this to you, coming behind you. Yeah. It's going to be another one, uh, you know, just like who you are. Quite possibly you are re reproducing yourself. And I want to take those two statements that we produce who we are and coming behind you is another. And just and really um, point out to you as fathers today what your ultimate calling in life is. I want to make it plain to you this morning what your ultimate calling is before any ministry that you have are called to do in this church. Before any ministry that God has called you to do in the kingdom, there is a, a position and a calling that God has called you to. And we emphasize and we like to emphasize and it's, it's because it's important. You know, find your calling and, and find a place to serve. And, and all of these things are important because I believe that God has something for every one of us to do in the kingdom. But before all of that is the position and the calling that God has called every one of you as a husband and a father to be. And that calling is you are the head. You are the head of your household. And as head of your household, the scripture establishes that we are not just head, but as the head, we are the spiritual leaders of our homes. And there's a lot of things that I could say right here.
here because but because it's Father's Day, I just want to emphasize that nothing is more important than your duties and your calling as father. What what your title at work is is not who you are. It's easy it was it's easy for us as men to identify with what we do. Especially on the job, you know, it was easy for me to identify with, man, I'm a lineman because that just put a stamp on somebody. A like, tough, you know, work all night, bad weather, bad things, high voltage, all this stuff. That's, and it, it, it kind of gets to where you want to accept that as your identity. But listen, that is just what you do to provide for your family. Your ultimate calling is what God has placed on you. First and foremost, before anything, you are the spiritual leader of your household. And I am challenging every father today that if you're not walking in that calling today, the challenge is that you begin to accept that position, that calling as first and foremost. Everything else comes underneath what God has called you to do as husband and father. Be the spiritual leader of your home. And, and that really opens it up to, to more than just being a husband and being a father. See, I, I understand that as a, a father of three children, that the best thing that I can do for my children is to love their mama. I get that. That's the best example that I can set in our home because you, you, you can't love Jesus and not love his bride. So the best thing that I can do for my babies is, is love their mother. But before I was ever a father, okay, before she was ever a mother, before I was ever a husband, before she was ever a bride, we were and we are children of God. And that is our first and foremost calling is discover to discover who we are in Christ. And listen, I, I know there's a lot of different situations and scenarios that, that we don't all have the cookie cutter house, that we don't all have, you know, the leave it to beaver mom and dad that comes home past the white picket fence every day. And I get that. I didn't have that. Okay, I, I had a great upbringing. I actually had like four parents instead of just two because mine split up. And God took something that was broken, that the enemy meant to be broken, and he made it beautiful. And I have seen God do that time and time and time again. So you may be sitting here thinking, well, I don't have a wife or I don't have a husband or we don't have children. No, but that's okay because you are children because God has put his stamp on you. He has declared who you are and what you will become. And I can promise you that every single person in this room has influence with somebody and somebody is watching your life. So as you discover who you are in him, you will learn how to love as he loves you. Come on, as you discover who you are in Him, you will learn how to share hope in the midst of a hopeless situation. So whether you're a single mama or a husband that's at home waiting, it doesn't matter because God determines who you are. Where you are doesn't determine who you are. Jesus determines who you are. And when you love Him the way that you're supposed to love Him, then you will see that He is not only Father to the fatherless, hope to the hopeless, but that you are the bride of Christ and you don't need anything but Jesus to get you through your day. That's what this day is about. It's Father's Day. Let's make it about the Heavenly Father that is the one that created everything and that we will stand before that is our substance and can fill every void inside of us. So don't you feel left out today because that's what the enemy would want for you. I'm telling you that Jesus came today to make sure that you know he loves you as a friend, as a son, as a daughter, as a bride, and he wants to connect you to the heavenly father. It was the only reason that he came. Proverbs 27, 17 um, in the NIV, we, we chose, I chose this one specifically because I really believe it best illustrates the original wording um, that the, the proverb author writ, wrote. Sorry. As iron sharpens iron, here's what it says. Often we've heard one man sharpens another man. But originally, this is probably better that one person sharpens another. One person sharpens another so often we we want to be like this and we may even think that we are come on somebody yeah we practiced that not really we just talked about it so I'm glad it worked out that way because Eric's wife just took a deep breath <laughs> oh my, ooh, okay 
Okay, so this is what we think we are, right? We're going to go out in the darkness. We're not going to, it was like the word that was given us, don't, don't ease into the night, right? We go out, we're going to take our sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Come here just a little closer. We can practice together. And, and what, this is what we think we are. So often we're like, we're going to go do this. We're going to conquer the world. I'm a man and I am sharp. I am a samurai, <laughs> ever ninjutsu kind of thing. But so often this is what we may want to be, but here's what we really are. <laughs> okay, am I, I'm not really a very good cook, um, and I would eat with this, but then I'd lose all the gravy. So this really serves no purpose for me whatsoever. Often we, we want to be like the samurai sword where we're sharp, but, but honestly we go out and what we really look like is more of a spoon. We're not sharp. We're dull. And, and not only are we dull, but, but we don't serve the right purpose because we're not filled. Um, Leviticus chapter 15 uses this same word that is used in Proverbs 27. And, and don't go read that passage, okay? Because disclaimer, it's about the uncleanliness of a man. Okay, you don't want to go there. And I'm not going to go any further into that. But this word that was another or whosoever is the same word that was used in Proverbs 27, 17. So one person, so whosoever, so anyone sharpens another person. So that means that everybody that was put in your life was put in your life to make you better. Every single person, every single situation, every single scenario, everything that you've been through, everything that you're going through, and every person that's involved in each one of those you may think, this person should have never been in my life. No, God can take that and he can use that person that as one person sharpens another, the one that was meant to be will end up better off than they would have been had that person not been in their life. And for every person in the room, you have been put in the path of other people to make them better. We have to humble ourselves enough to let other people make us better. That's really important. You're going to see how important at the end. But we have to humble ourselves enough to let other people make us better. That means God gave me two little girls to make me better. God gave me a bride, a woman, to make me better. God gave me a mother-in-law. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't shout me down. Easy. Sit down. Sit down. Stop waving that. God gave me a, a mother-in-law to make me Make me better. And I actually have a really good mother-in-law. I'm going to visit her today, even though it's Father's Day and they're cooking for me. But God, God has given you friends. Look, even enemies. A boss. A co-worker. Come on, that close talker with halitosis. That person was put into your life to make you better. I want you to remember this. And, and, and this is a personal declaration for me, whether it's a staff member that's under me or if it's an overseer that's there to support me and make sure that I don't mess something up. Everybody in my life has been put there to make me better. Everybody in my life has been put there to make me better. That's, uh, you know, as you, you hear that, this statement, that there's absolutely nobody in your life that, that is accidentally there. Uh, if we believe that, that everybody has been put there for a purpose, for a reason, then that, that reason is actually to make us better. And according to go along with the scripture that we chose, say to make us sharper, to, mm. to sharpen us, to, to create something in us that, that we, are, we are better, we're more effective, we're more useful because, you know, because of, that, of that person. Um, I, I absolutely believe that. Because in, and if you look at the scripture that we chose today, I believe that it supports that statement so very well. Because it says, as iron sharpeneth iron, so one person sharpens another. And if you break that down, you notice that the scripture is actually saying that as iron, one piece of iron is used to sharpen another piece. So one person is used to sharpen another. That's an interesting, interesting way of looking at it, that God is actually using other people in our lives to make us better. And so if one person is used to sharpen another person, just like 
Scripture says, as iron sharpened iron, so one person. So if, if a person is used to sharpen me and you, just like iron is used to sharpen another, then that, let's look at that. Two things very quickly. Uh, number one, what I get out of that is this. You need sharpening. I need sharpening. Yeah. I'm not the only. Pastor Chris, we all need. And there's really, this is just a statement in itself. There's really no need to elaborate there, right? We need sharpening. But elaborate, I will, if you give me the chance. Because that's what I'm up here to do. We need sharpening. There's not one of us who has it all together in every area of our lives. Yeah. Come on, let's, let's be honest here. Um, you know, there, there's not one of us who is perfect in every way. And by sharpen in this, in this verse, it actually is saying here, or, is, or it means to improve, to make better, or to make more useful. So we are, we are like iron tools or iron weapons that are useless if they are dull. I mean, how many has ever tried to use a dull knife, right? I mean, it's the most useless thing in the world. I remember trying to dig a, a place out in my yard where I was going to put this fire pit and we were going to put these like one foot by one foot pavers down and put a fire pit in the middle. and make. But I didn't want to dig, but I wanted to just scrape the grass, right? Just cut the grass so I could put these pavers. And I went in the shed and got my shovel and I began to hack at that man. And it was, yeah. and I finally realized this thing is dull as it could be. So I went and got my, 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 uh, my file and I, I hit it a few licks. Man, I came back and it would just, it would just cut right through that grass. And it made yeah. the job so much easier than trying to fight with this instrument that is made to be sharp, but it was dull, and it wasn't working the way that it in, was intended to work because it was dull. And so we are like that. There's, there's places in our lives that we are sharp. I believe that we can actually be sharp in areas and dull in areas at the same time. God is not trying to sharpen us as a whole, but I believe that he is literally trying to sharpen every area of our lives. And so we can be sharp and useful at one time or one area and kind of dull and useless in another. And that is not necessarily to say that that's a bad thing. And here's why. Because any tool that is used regularly requires sharpening. I, like, I use this, this um, illustration at first service. And, you know, um, Clico bought us a knife a while back. It was this Klein uh, pocket knife, man, and, and out of the package, you open this thing, it would literally just shave the hair off of your arms. The edge on it was so good, man. It was just sharp as could be. Well, I used it for a while, and one day I took out my knife that in my mind was just so sharp and cutting thing, and I was trying to hack through this rope, and man, it, and I realized, well, I've been using it, and I never sharpened it again. And so what used to be so useful to me, it was kind of useless until I, I put it back on the stone and I sharpened it. And we are like that. We have to continually be sharpened. And if we are like tools and we need sharpening and others are the ones that sharpen us, number two is I can only think of two ways that iron is sharpened. One is by another piece or material of something that is abrasive. Man. So you take, you take a stone that is rough and you put it on a smooth blade and the roughness of the stone as you begin to go against the blade, it actually is removing shards of that metal and creating this edge to where the tool is useful and is sharpening it. And the other way to sharpen something is to put it in fire and heat it to the point where it's just about to melt, just at that right point where it's red hot and you take it out and you throw it on an anvil, which is another piece of iron, and you take a hammer, which is another piece of iron, and you begin to pound out that piece of metal. And so if that be the case, what Pastor said earlier, everybody in your life is put there to make you better, i.e. to put you sharper, even the abrasive ones. That's actually why my wife is so sharp, <laughs> because she has to live with me, even. and that sharpens, even the abrasive. And I, I interrupted him earlier right here, um, just as a, we understand that that because we are in covenant relationship with another person, that if, if we don't partner with that person, then we're going to miss some, some purpose in our lives. It's not that God can't pick up the slack if we don't have that person, but because we are in covenant with that person. that And we'll just use Clay as the example. Sorry, man, we're just throwing you under the bus today. We owe you a dollar every time we... He owes you a dollar every time we say your name. So Clay, Clay was... Uh, when Clay was younger, Clay um, would... Uh, <laughs> So uh, what made Clay 
the best is when mother and father came together in agreement and decided this is how we're going to raise our child. And I, I use this as an example. It's really not to pat myself on the back because I, I get that, that my children actually, that they are different. Okay, but I, I don't know at what point you get to use your children as the example. Well, you just wait till they get older. Well, you just wait. Oh, well now, yeah, now that they're grown. Well, I'm glad you had it all together. I mean, at what point do you get to use them before you have them? You get to hope for the best or when you have them, you get to use them or after they're grown and gone. Well, I'm glad yours were that way. It's like, there's never a good time to to use your family as an example, but yesterday, um, our three kids were sitting at this table with a complete stranger, and we had to go take a, a picture. We were doing a wedding, and I had to run out, and Megan and I take a picture with the couple real quick, and I said, listen, y'all sit right here. Just eat your food. Don't fight, or I'm going to beat you. I love you. God bless you. I'll be right back, you know, and, and we came back, and this complete stranger said, man, they are so well-behaved. Why are they so, what, what's your secret? And I said, her. <laughs> They're like, like, yeah, we just, we don't raise them based on our emotions. Like we're not training our children to live for Jesus that week because it feels good. We're not training our children to listen to what we say. When we say it, we, we stick to it. And, and I agree with her in front of them and she agrees with me and we work hard on purpose, not because we're perfect, but because we try to be one thing consistent, okay? Inconsistency breeds complacency. It's a, it's a terrible cycle that if you're complacent in your life in any area, then it's probably because you're inconsistent. And if you're inconsistent in your life in any area, it's probably because you're complacent. And if you can change the consistency by which you do something, you can be more consistent, whether it be with your children or with your own life, you can automatically become sharper in that area. And that is the objective, whether it's abrasive or, or not abrasive. And, and then sometimes those things are, are completely out of your control. Yeah, I, you know, as I was earlier talking about, you know, being the head and, and spiritual leader, I realized that as, as father and husband, I'm the head, but she's the neck, right? And the neck turns the head. Uh, My head turns every time she passed. Yeah, right. I, I get a lot of credit sometimes. For, for just the way that, you know, uh, for the way that maybe Clay has turned out. But if you, if you, if you sat him down and he, uh, he answered you honestly when you asked him, look, who had the, the most influence on who you are? I was, I was kind of, I got to be the cool dad sometimes because we only had one and he was a boy. So I was the one throwing baseball in the yard and being that cool dad and, and just kind of being, you know, that person. Uh, but mom was in his ear, man. She was the one that just laid down the law. I am honest. If that, I, I don't think that I could ever have done the job that I've done without, you know, who she is. And she can be abrasive <laughs> with her son. Believe me, she she can she can just she can hone him, man. She can she can make the metal fly. You know, she those little shards. She she can get on him. But back to my point about being abrasive, even though. Those, you know, God puts people in your lives that are, that are abrasive. It's the people that rub you the wrong way sometimes. They're there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, right? So if we are walking in that, in that order, being ordered daily by the Lord and taking those steps, then if you believe that you are following the direction of God today, then yeah. there is absolutely no thing or no one that is in that path that is there accidentally. Even the ones that rub you the wrong way. How about the ones, talking about the other example of, sh of sharpening iron, how about the ones that you really, when you feel like God has had you in the fire, man, he's put you there and he has yeah. got you to where he's just, he's just heating you and you, the fire is just burning you and you just feel like you're about to the point of melt and then he pulls you out and someone shows up with their hammer and just begins to pound on you. It's Pastor Chris on Sunday mornings. Usually he's the one, God's got you in the fire and he begins to perfect that which God has heating in your life and he takes his hammer and begins to pound on you those people are there for a reason god has put you them there to make us sharper and not always will you see it coming you're not always going to look at people that god puts in your life as it comes like wow yes now i get it this is the one i've been waiting for it's not always going to look that way okay i did this in first service i feel like i need to do it again i want to just kind of be trans 
Lucent, just, just be vulnerable here for a moment because some people God's going to put in your life and at first glance it's going to be like, nah, God, not that one. What can he or she do for me? A little, yeah, just not, not getting real close to two years ago, you know, this church was needing a pastor and the board members were searching for, for men that we could consider and they brought me um, a picture of a young man and his wife and I was like, Kind of young, huh? I, being honest, my first impression was, no, nah, I don't think so. God, you, 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 can't, you can't be right here, okay? And they brought this guy in, and we met in the Saturday night before he preached a Sunday morning for us, and we voted. And I walked into the youth center, and the, when, when my eyes saw him, I knew instantly God put it in my spirit. This is right and I had all these questions in my mind that, you know, I've been in ministry just about as long as he is old. And, and, and in my mind, it was like, what can I do for him? And what am I going to do for him? And how am I going to help him? And how am I going to teach and train? And God sends this 32-year-old man over here who just begins to sharpen me and make me better. I never saw it coming. And I've honestly, I've, I've said this to him a couple of times. I said, man, pastor, you are stretching me. In ways that no minister has ever stretched me in my life. No pastor. I was raised in a pastor's home. I was a pastor. I was a youth pastor. I was assistant pastor. All of these things. I've been in ministry just about all of my life. And nobody has stretched me and sharpened me more than this young man that God seemed fit to put in my life. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody that God puts in your life, he's put there for a reason. So my challenge for you today is this. Men. Because it's Father's Day, find other men who make you better and spend time with them. And be willing to identify your weaknesses and find guys who look like they have succeeded in that area and let them sharpen you. Yeah, and, and, and it's going to sound like we're just passing this back and forth because we're supposed to. But if we didn't mean it, then we wouldn't say it. What, what I love about what he just said is, is not only how much humility it took for for him at first glance to to come in and 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 partner with us but then how much honor it gave me when he took the humility to do it when he came in and he supported the ministry and and he came up to me and he made sure that I knew that whatever we needed as a couple that we are stronger as leaders when we have more leaders to stand beside us we had 270 people in first service this morning we barely touched and we're in the middle of the summer 270 people in first service and it feels a little thinner in second service sometimes but I just want to make sure that you don't feel that way because we had to move toddlers from one room to another and if you got it if we did that to you you got a text okay we're like where's my kid no no listen we moved toddlers because our room was so full and we're able to continue to make room for more people because we don't want anything to be a ceiling including equipping other saints to do ministry and making sure that everybody knows that you are called for a purpose this isn't my church it's not his church this is Jesus's church and we're going to do the will of God as a church together or we're not going to get it done at all guys I want you to I, I want you to write this down and, and ladies I think it would be I actually think it would be significant for you as well um, this was not going to be in your notes but when when we are dull we are dangerous when we are dull we're dangerous when we're dry when we're dull we're dangerous I don't know I, anybody ever cut any meat in here. I got any Cajuns that cut some meat. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever clean a deer? Maybe just a squirrel. I know most. If you're really good at it, you don't even need a knife to clean the squirrel. I get it, but I do because I'm not using my teeth on a furry rodent. Okay, but uh, but if you if you've ever tried to use that knife that is dull, it's actually more dangerous. It's it's actually easier to slip and cut yourself or do more damage when the knife is dull. And if you're dull when you're dangerous, here's the good news. You're, you have a better impact when you have a better edge. 
So the better edge that you have, the better impact that you're going to make. I too, I believe it or not, I know I don't look like it, but believe it or not, I actually worked on a landscaping crew for about six months. Almost ruined my life. Didn't want to go. I didn't want to wake up. Didn't want to go to bed. I stayed up as long as I could because I thought if I stay up longer, I won't have to wake up. But I worked on the, the landscaping crew. And one of the things that we did every morning before we would go out and, and dig up the bushes or dig out the spot is we would sharpen the blade on the edge of that shovel. Now I almost killed somebody with a shovel and the grinder, so they didn't let me do that anymore, and, and I went back to where I'm supposed to be now. But we would sharpen that because we understood that the better edge we had, the better impact we would have. Now this morning I've, I've used a couple of different illustrations, you know, the samurai and the spoon. And, and I'm going to, all the dads, and, and in fact, every guy in the house, we don't, we don't want to be left with any of these, so uh, just make sure that everybody gets one today. All the, all the men get one. All the fathers get one at first, but, but then all the men in the house, you can take one. If we have any left over, you can take another and give it to somebody as a present. But we were trying to figure out, man, what do we want to give? We like Last year, we gave the hats um, and we've got some things we're about to spend money on with the health fair and raising finances for kids to go to camp. And so I was like, I want to spend money on something that means something this year. Not that the hats weren't important, but I, I, what, does, what does it have to do with the message? What are we trying to, what, we want to give you a take home. And so we came up with this iron sharpens iron and we came up with this whetstone. Um, that could be used on, on sharpening. We thought, you know, most people have a knife and, and I don't have a whetstone. But here's what's interesting about the whetstone is that they're all different, but they all sharpen. They all look different. There's not one of these whetstones, and I don't know why, but they came from Arkansas, I guess where the rocks came from or whatever. There is something good that comes out of Arkansas. Both my baby girls were born there, so don't judge. Um, but they're all different, but they all sharpen. And then uh, before first service, somebody actually mentioned that it really only works best when you, when you put water on the wet stone. That's what actually makes it work. Spit on. Works, yeah, or spittle. You know, like when Jesus spit in the mud and rubbed it in that dude's face and he got healed from blindness. I'm going to try that one of these days. I'm going to loogie and somebody right in the eye and be like, be healed in Jesus' name. I'm not. If I do it, it'll be somewhere else besides here where I don't live. But and what I, it works best whenever you put water on it. And then somebody else came up to me after service. Is Toby Delahousse actually came and told me. He said, Pastor, the reason that you put that you put water on it is because as you scrape, it actually washes away all the shavings, okay? And instead of making the blade hotter as it scrapes across the abrasion, even as it sharps, sharpens, it keeps the knife cool. It keeps the knife stable, keeps it under control. And I, I, I gave this illustration. I really believe that, that just as much as we need some people in our lives that, that make us sharper, sometimes even abrasive, maybe they don't do it the right way, but they did it, thank God. Um, we need not just water, but Jesus said anybody that, that needs a drink, if you're thirsty, if you're dry, come on, if you're dull, then you come to me and I will give you a drink of living water. So it's not just that all the responsibility is not on you. You can look at this whetstone and remember that without the Holy Spirit, you're never going to get where he desires for you to go. You can look at this whetstone and remember that without the living water, without what Jesus paid for on the cross and what he purchased when he came out of that grave, you will never be able to wash some things away. There are some things that you will never be able to get off of you. But when the Holy Spirit comes by with the thinning shears, come on somebody, he'll take things away that you thought you could never get rid of and he'll put things in place that you didn't ever think you could have. And that's what he does as the whetstone. That's what he does as the living water. It's who he is. It's not all on you. He, he made mention of that passage in the book of Psalms earlier that the, the Lord orders the steps of the righteous. Well, well, pastor, I'm not righteous. In him, you are righteous. See, he purchased your righteousness. 
And it's not about being right. It's about being righteous. Because I'm not trying to be good. I'm trying to be like Jesus. And when I follow him, I discover his will. And I can't mess this thing up. Because if the Lord delights in a man's way, if the Lord delights in the fact that you're simply following his son, then he will make his steps firm. And though you may stumble. See, I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I don't have time for that. I got too many babies and too much riding on this. I am not just a sinner saved by grace. I'm sanctified and filled with the Spirit of God for a purpose and a plan. And as long as I keep my eyes on Him, I will walk across things that used to drown me. I will walk and I will obey. I will follow and I will accomplish. But it will be because I allowed Him to make me sharp. That He gave me the edge. That He gave me the edge. That she gave me the edge. So as a take home this morning, this is very important. Number one, if you want to be sharp, you have to be humble. Number one, you have to let others sharpen you. There is no room for pride in God's plan. So if you have pride, if you are prideful, and I'm not talking about taking pride in what you do. Okay, the Bible says do everything that you do with all of your heart is unto the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being a prideful person. If you have pride, or you're a prideful person in any area of your life with anybody that God has put in your life, I want you to understand that you are more like Lucifer than you are Jesus. And that is the sin of pride that was the original sin that caused Lucifer to lose the kingdom of God. Pride and God's plan cannot coexist. God's plan for your life cannot coexist with pride in your life. We have to be humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time He will lift you up. Whoever exalts himself will be humble, but whoever humbles himself, come on, will be exalted. You let other people sharpen you. Number two, you have to be obedient. If you want to be sharp, you've got to be obedient. You've got to let God sharpen you. James 1.25 says, He who looks into the Word of God, it actually says the perfect law of liberty. That doesn't even make sense. I've never been more free because somebody put a restriction on my life. But when you look into the law, the perfect law of God, it gives you freedom that you would have never found had you not looked into it. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, applies it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word of God. This one will be blessed in everything. It means your home will be blessed. It means your habits will be blessed. It means your heart will be blessed. Even when there's fire all around you, you'll look up and you'll see a presence in the midst of the fire that you had never seen before. And it will be likened unto the one that is the Son of Man, just like the enemy saw when he threw the Hebrew boys into the fire. You got to let God sharpen you. And number three, you got to be disciplined. Be humble, be obedient, be dis- disciplined. Now, now, what's the difference between obedience and discipline? Obedience is to God. Discipline is to yourself. You've got to take the time to sharpen yourself. You've got to take the time to get alone with God. Whether the last thing that you do at night, and I would aim for every day, because none of us are going to do it every day. So if you aim for every day, you may actually get some days in. I would aim for 15 minutes because you probably are going to get interrupted. But every day, even if all you do is sit there and say, God, here I am, and then let him speak. Turn on some worship music. Open up your Bible. You never know what he may lead you to. Take 15 minutes every day. That should be our objective. That is a discipline. Discipline is the root word of disciple. The reason that we're not always delivered from things is not because we don't, but not because we have demons, but because we don't have discipline. And that was in the message from the very beginning. We've got to have discipline in order to be a disciple. 
The word of God says if you continue in the word, not if you just agree with it, not if you've heard it before, not if you were raised in it, but if you continue in the word, then you are my disciples indeed. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You got to take the time to sharpen. I don't know where you are today and I don't know how you came in, but I know this, that Jesus's desire for you is for you to not walk out of here dry, dull, or dangerous. His desire is to sharpen you and that you would leave this place better than you came in. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite all of the fathers to just come stand up here in front. We're not going to lay hands and shout at you. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to pray over you. So I'm preparing you now. I'm going to invite every dad, every stepdad, every father that has adopted. And then I'm going to invite every man, potential father, potential person of influence, every man and every young man in the house to come and stand behind them. And then the ladies are going to extend their hands and intercede. And our in-house pastor, Blaine Francois, is going to pray over us all. But before we do, I got this from D.L. Moody. I heard him say he never has a service without, without offering an opportunity for somebody to receive salvation. So right where you are, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to evaluate. Lord, am I sharp? Am I dull? Am I filled? Or am I empty? God, am I dry? Or is my thirst quenched because of who I am in you? If you're in here today and you know that your relationship is not right with your heavenly father, then what better day than Father's Day 2018 to give Him your life back. Receive the salvation that His Son purchased for you and walk out of here saved and free. If that's you, if the Holy Spirit's turning in you right now, we're going to pray a prayer in just a minute. We're going to all pray that prayer together. And if you would like to be included in that prayer because you want to leave this place in right relationship with your heavenly father, I want you to raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. Thank you, brother. I just want to leave this place in right relationship with God. I see you. Thank you. I need to commit my life to Jesus or I need to recommit my life to Jesus. Thank you. Let me ask you another question as we're evaluating. Maybe there's an area in your life where you're more prideful than you know you need to be. And you need to replace that pride with some humility. You need to be more humble in a specific area. If that's for you, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I need to be more humble. And I've been prideful in this place. And I, I need to let that go because I understand that that pride can't coexist with God's plan. Anybody else? Thank you. Hands going up all over the room. Just being honest. If you're in here, I'm going to lump these last two. And you would say, man, that obedience thing, just being obedient to God, that discipline thing, disciplining myself to be who He's calling me to be, and I need some help right there. I, I hadn't been doing that right. And I need the Holy Spirit to come in and, and help me, empower me, strengthen me to do that. If I'm talking to you today, would you just lift your hand right where you are? Say, man, that's me. I need that. Church, I want you to pray this prayer with me all across the sanctuary. I want everybody to pray, whether you raised your hand, whether you didn't. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's nothing that we don't say that we say that he doesn't hear. Pray this prayer with all of your heart. Jesus, forgive me for where I fall short. Save me. Take my life. Make it yours. I don't want to be dry. I don't want to damage others. I want to be used by you to fulfill your plan for my life. Remove the pride 
give me humility. Give me obedience. Let me be disciplined to follow you with all of my heart every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know that we would normally celebrate real big right there, but I want to invite you, first of all, to stand up to your feet today. Now, I also know that even in saying that, there's about, I want to say, five to seven people that heaven is going absolutely nuts over right now because they just received salvation or rededicated their lives. Could you just celebrate them right where you are? That's why we're here. We came for you. Father's Day 2000. Listen, don't you let the enemy steal this moment from you. Don't you let the devil take back something and cast doubt on something that heaven calls real. Father's Day 2018 was the day that you rededicated your life to the heavenly Father that he can show you his plan for you. And as long as you abide in him, though you may stumble, you will not fall for the Lord upholds you with his hand. You can't mess this thing up as long as you stay in him. Now I'm going to ask a couple of the men to just lead the way. I need all of our dads to come, if you will. If, if dad, stepdad, um, adopt, you've adopted. And then now all the men just begin. We don't want to leave anybody out. Young men, not so young men, all of the alike. I want you guys to just come file in behind. And I'm thankful for the shepherd. But listen, I'm, I'm thankful for my nana i'm thankful for my mama i'm thankful for my bride i'm thankful for the shepherdess in my life and now listen i would not be the the man that i'm becoming because i'm not done i would not be the man that i'm becoming if it weren't for the women in my life as well so what i want you to do right now i'm going to pass this over and blaine's going to pray over us and dismiss us today but i need you to intercede right now ladies if you would just stretch your hand towards these men and begin to intercede for every man in the room Blaine would you pray us out tonight this morning Father thank you right now for every man that's represented in this building today whether they be fathers or they're just husbands and haven't reached fatherhood yet or young men with the potential of just becoming husbands and fathers I thank you God for for them and what they represent in this place I thank you for the impact that this service is having even on their lives right now. I thank you for the purpose that you have called us in and the realization, Lord, that we are impacting eternity, that we are forming and even reproducing those that are coming behind us and, and making husbands and fathers and wives and daughters and all of these things are under our influence. I thank you, God, that you are working right now in, in, in every heart. And those that, God, who have not accepted that that purpose or that calling of being a father and of not walking in that, I pray that before they leave today, they will absolutely walk in that calling and identify with who you have called them to be. I pray, God, that every man here today would have the strength to identify our weaknesses, not to walk in them, but identify our weaknesses, but therefore identify your strength to help us, God, to become better in those areas, that we would accept the sharpening as part of your plan and that we would walk in our calling as fathers and accept that who you say we are is who we are, not who the world says, not who Hollywood says we are as fathers, but as you, who you say we are as fathers, as head of our household, as spiritual leaders of our homes. God, produce in us those attributes and sharpen those things in us, God. Make us better before we leave here today. We just give you the glory and the praise for every father here and what is being done in these homes. And thank you for this opportunity, God. Go with us as we leave here in Jesus' name.